The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as finfanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. The Dolphins face the Baltimore Ravens this weekend at MT Bank Stadium, noon central, one Eastern time. Temps is expected to be. In the 80s, so weather should not be a factor at all in this game here. The Ravens are favored by three and a half, over under 44 and a half. Be sure to check out um, my one-on-one with uh, Kevin Ostricker or Ostriker from the Locked on Ravens podcast here from a couple of days ago. It's posted on our YouTube channel. But, Paul, big game, obviously. You know, the Dolphins start off 2-0 and here with a win over the Ravens. They're one of the big talks in the NFL. I mean, they're, they've gone from, you know, 18 or 19 in power rankings before game one to the top 10. And a big part of that too, recent developments throughout the week here, it is quite possible that the Ravens are going to be without their top four cornerbacks. And even if they're not Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Brandon Stevens, all in and out of practice all week with lower body injuries, even if they play, they're going to have to, guard Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle either with lower body injuries. So they're going to be a step behind possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're already going to struggle a little to keep up anyway. And the other one you mentioned, I know we talked about off the air, Kyle Fuller's out for the year. I mean, the Ravens look ridiculously thin at corner as it is. And you don't want to have a lower body injury and have to try to cover two of the fastest receivers in the NFL. That's not a good look. No, it definitely isn't. And, you know, it's, it's a game that I'm looking at. I mean, I really, as far as how the dolphins are structured Hill and Waddle, the expectation is that they're going to dictate every matchup that they face here in, in 2022. But when you go out there and you, there, there's quite a possibility that you see a lot of, Jalen Armour Davis and Pepe Williams, two fourth round picks, rookies that 
haven't seen the field a lot. And if, if they're facing that task, there's no excuse for the Dolphins with the amount of resources they've put into this passing game uh, to come up short, even on the road here against Baltimore, where they were, have been outscored 78 to six in their last two games in Baltimore. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, you look at the depth chart, if Marcus Peters or Marlon Humphrey or really any of them come up, come up lame or end up on the injury report, Baltimore is going to have to potentially elevate possibly even two corners from their practice squad. I mean, they are tremendously thin. And on top of that, you know, we're talking about injuries here. Ronnie Stanley's probably not going to play. Juwan James is done for the year. Patrick McCarry is going to start at left tackle um, as far as everything looks right now. And they're tremendously thin along the offensive line as well. Believe it or not, if if something happens with Macari or possibly Morgan Moses, we may see good old Daniel Folele come in, come in the game, and he is abysmal. He's just a big dude that's not fast enough to, to block somebody like a Jalen Phillips coming off the edge, Emmanuel Agba. Miami runs any of their safety blitzes with Brandon Jones or Javon Holland. Like he's, he's just not able to get to those guys. Right. Yeah. It, that would be quite a development. And yeah, we talked about him a lot or didn't talk about him a lot in the pre-draft because of his massive size and caveman like abilities. Uh, so slow. <laughs> Macari is somebody that could play all five spots on, on the Ravens offensive line. I don't think he's ever played left tackle though. Um, for at least he started in one for the Ravens. I could be wrong on that, but uh, he'll go up against Jalen Phillips, Jalen Phillips. I don't, you know, he had that fumble recovery late in the game. Great hustle on that play. But other than that, I was a little disappointed with this first game. So he's going to have to not only uh, win that matchup, but also have containment there on Lamar Jackson on plays where the Dolphins don't send the house. Now, we remember last game, they the infamous cover zero game on Thursday Night Football. And it's been a big uh, – talking point here throughout the week and it's very very clear from the Ravens side that that game is forefront on their minds heading into this one so that's going to be fascinating to see if the Dolphins come out and say okay we're going to just we're just going to do the same thing that we did on Thursday night football last year where we blitzed defensive backs more times than anybody else in football in a game uh, going back to at least 2016 when next gen stats started, started tracking this stuff. So what do you think here? Do you think the dolphins should come out, cover zero balls to the wall, send the house every play, like what they were doing before, or do we make the assumption that the Ravens have adjusted and switch it up a little bit? So the cool thing about the cover zero look is, and, and I'm glad you said bring the house. Cause I know watching the game last week, you'd hear, the commentators basically turn around. Oh, they're sending the house every play. And, and it looks like they're sending the house every play. They're not sending the house every play. They do on some plays. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, they've got people dropping in coverage every play. It's just you can't tell who's coming and who's not, which is a nightmare for an offensive line. Um, so I do expect them to come out and cover zero because at the end of the day, that's what this defense was built for. And they're not built to play traditional defense so much as to, to come in and get after you. And Miami's able to trust their corners, especially, God, the game that Cater Kohu threw down last week. Uh, 
Nick Needham. I mean, this is without Byron Jones, but they're able to trust their cornerbacks in one-on-one coverage. And rightly so. I mean, Rashad Bateman's good. Demarcus Robinson's good. Devin Duvernay's good. But I don't fear their receiving core. Uh, so, you no, know, I don't you, either. You, you, you do have to make sure Mark Andrews is covered. And the Ravens do come out in 22 personnel a lot. But honestly, with them coming out in 22 personnel, as long as you've got somebody watching Mark Andrews or helping with Mark Andrews, you should be okay and able to blitz against Lamar Jackson, who didn't get a lot done in the running game against a lesser defense last week in New York. So Mark Andrews last year against the Dolphins had six catches, 63 yards. Pretty good game for a tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, also, too, it needs to be noted, Mark Andrews had 107 catches for 1,361 yards last year. That is top three in catches for a season all time from a tight end and top three yards all time for a tight end. So this this is a star tight end we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, same draft as he was drafted in the third round the same year Mike Gesicki was drafted in the second. It doesn't mean Gesicki wasn't a good pick. He was a good pick. And Dallas Goddard would, was also a second round pick that year. So three Really good tight ends from that class. Um, but what I'm looking for defensively is I said earlier in the week that, hey, the Dolphins should just come out, same look, cover zero, and force them to stop it. I've backed off that a little bit because I think the Ravens are going to be expecting that. And the cool thing about the cover zero, and kind of like what you were talking about there, is you can show that look, but you don't necessarily have to bring the house every play. And that's, I think, that may confuse Lamar Jackson if they come out in that look, but don't necessarily send everybody. You know, last time Javon Holland blitzed 21 times. Uh, Brandon Jones blitzed 17 times. No other defensive back in the last six years since Next Gen Stats started keeping track of of defensive back blitzes. Have have you seen uh, more than 16 blitzes from a defensive back? The Dolphins had two in the same game. I mean, that's crazy. And so it was something the Ravens didn't see a lot. And, and that's going to be really the story of the game here is are, are the Dolphins going to bring that again? And is Lamar Jackson going to be able to, to, to combat that? If so, I don't know if he will. Um, and, and one thing you can do too is given the injuries at corner Miami, if they can get a lead early and, and get guys like uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Uh, really involved early in the game, you can turn Lamar Jackson pretty one-dimensional here and take him off of his game where you can get away with those blitzes. Given the injuries at left tackle, you can come off his blind side with Brandon Jones a lot and start pushing him over into the teeth of Melvin Ingram and Emmanuel Agba. Um, It's They should come out and cover zero. They should blitz and force Lamar Jackson to make some decisions because Lamar Jackson didn't get a lot done with his feet last week. And while the Ravens beat the pretty lousy Jets, you know, 24 to nine, um, Lamar only threw for 213 yards. They only had 274 yards of total offense against a pretty bad team. Tua had more passing yards than than the Ravens had offensive yards last week, I believe, or it was damn close. Um, yeah, I I think uh, part of it too is that the Ravens I think thought they were pretty handily ahead throughout most of the game, and I think that factors into it a little bit. But it wasn't a. But the the Ravens don't pull up. 
The Ravens aren't a pull-up team. Like, um, I, I, I think against the Jets, they would be. Because if, if they're up two touchdowns in the third quarter I, I, and their defense is dominating, I, I, I yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a – I don't think it was a great offensive performance by the Ravens at all last week. I, I rewatched the game several times. I, it, you know, to me, the story of the game was, uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson didn't run a lot. And I think they, he really, they really wanted to, to have him win that type of game with his arm. And mm-hmm. he did, he did okay. I mean, they had three touchdowns. That was the big thing. I mean, there was that deep pass to Rashad Bateman, who was otherwise pretty blanked by sauce Gardner throughout that game. Um, and then Devin Duvernay, he's the, he's the speedy guy. He's the over the top guy. He, he catches two touchdowns and that's something they've clearly been working on in the off season here being able to drop the ball over the top. I'm a little bit worried about a matchup between Devin Duvernay and Nick Needham all game. We saw two long completions um, last week from Mac Jones to Kendrick Bourne, a 40 plus yarder when Bourne actually got on the field and Jacoby Myers. But the Myers one was more of a, a great catch than it was Needham blowing a coverage. But, you know, if the Dolphins come out and they blitz heavy, and you see a few of those long completions uh, that could change the dynamic of the game. No, it absolutely could. And in reality, Miami's offense can definitely dictate the flow of this game too, for the defense. It's the, the, the Ravens allowed over five yards of carry to the jets running backs last week. Uh, Joe Flacco, who I don't think any of us think is the Joe Flacco of old, came out and threw for over 300 yards in this game. Granny threw the ball 57 times with a horrible completion percentage. But really, this this looks like a game that Miami could potentially dominate if they get you if they get out ahead. Um yeah, it's we'll see. I mean I, I think the matchups are there. I mean when you talk about you know, this not only is are, are they likely going to start Patrick McCarry at left tackle, but their left guard, Ben Powers, is, is nothing special. I mean, he's he's a, certainly a below average starting guard. That whole left side of the line, not, you know, nothing special from now. Center Tyler Linderbaum was hurt all the camp and doesn't look like he's the greatest fit in this type of offensive line. He was OK last week going up against Quinnen Williams. Uh, from from what I saw. And then right guard, they've got Kevin Zeitler and Morgan Moses to be two of the more underappreciated offensive linemen in the league. But no, this defensive line, the Dolphins should have uh, a top five defensive line this year. We've started to see signs of that. Um, and But I think a big part of that too is Jalen Phillips. And if he's going up against Patrick McCarry, this is a game he's got to be pushing the edge and he's got to win that match about there. Um, so yeah, and we, we should, we should see uh, hopefully Christian Wilkins plays in this game. I know he's expected to, but he is listed as questionable. He does. He has been nursing a back injury all week um, because I do think that's going to be pretty critical over on that side as well, because Christian Wilkins can occupy several blockers on that left side of their, their offensive line. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. 
And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Uh, it, and the Dolphins did have some, uh, some injuries here this week. Uh, Christian Wilkins expected to play. He was limited in practice this week. Um, Seathan Carter's going to be out. I'm sure Paul's really, really torn up about that. Um, Eric Rowe will be back defensively. So, yeah, the Dolphins are, are, are looking a lot better on the injury report than the Ravens are, and a lot better than I thought they were this week. Final thing on the Ravens' offense here, they are going to get J.K. Dobbins back, it looks like, and he hasn't carried the ball since 2020. When he did carry the ball, he averaged six yards a carry. So, they were have been pulling people off the street, it seems, for the last year at the running back position. Last week against the Jets, uh, our, our old friend uh, Kenyon Drake got the majority of the carries, 11 carries for 31 yards. They've also got Mike Davis, but they haven't, you know, these guys were unemployed before they were pulled off the street and put in the Ravens starting lineup. If Dobbins is healthy and he can shake off the rust quickly, they have a legitimate rushing attack, and that's something that, that also needs to be factored in here. You know, the Ravens started Devontae Freeman uh, last year against the Dolphins, who really wasn't much of a threat either. So um, on the offensive side of the ball, Paul, you know, we, we've been through about 20 minutes here and haven't talked about Tua or the Dolphins offense. Um, so the most divisive topic in football. Um, yeah, and it shouldn't be. I mean, it it's really a, shouldn't. I, <laughs> It's the conversation always is, uh, is to a great or is he terrible? And I, I, I'm not going to take part in that. All right. He's clearly in the middle somewhere. Like I'd argue smack dab in the middle. So, um, but so looking he, at, looking real, at the real game, quick, let me hop in there too. Cause before we, 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 we dive into all the aspects of the Dolphins offense, the worst thing here is, we, we see all this divisiveness on Twitter about, about Tua or, or out on social media in general. And then I live up in New England, so I'll listen to the Patriots radio network, especially after Miami whips that ass. Um, but it's, it's almost hilarious because you listen to Dolphins Twitter about um, just the negativity, right? The negativity right now. But then you listen to like the Patriots radio and they're like, oh, well, if Kendrick Bourne played more, whole different ball game last week like what wow you guys are like yeah go mac jones go patriots offense if it wasn't you know matt patricia didn't call a great game but everybody out there's good and if kendrick Bourne just played more than that one snap let's go like yeah and i think if kendrick Bourne had played the entire game then the dolphins would have been a little bit more prepared from what to see from him. Uh, mm-hmm. they, he slipped on the field for two, for two or three plays. So something's going on there in the background. Supposedly he had a terrible training camp 
He's there a Belichick stockhouse. There was some disciplinary stuff with that. Yeah, I mean um, Kendrick between, Kendrick Bourne. We're talking about. <laughs> well, but I'm just saying, like, and that was something with I think based on what EEI says, Mac Jones had told Matt Patricia who he liked to throw to, and there was some responses from Kendrick Bourne and Matt Patricia as the defensive minded offensive coordinator said, all right, we'll sit Kendrick Bourne then like, all right, just yeah. all kinds of goofy dysfunction. And the Pats fans are still like, yeah, we got this. We shouldn't have lost that game. Like, you know, Mac Jones did great. Like <laughs> just, just Mac, Mac Jones, Mac Jones is perfectly average. And I think if, if that's the argument, against Tua, then that's going to be the argument against Mac Jones too. Now so he's the wish Mary Poppins of quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that means. That's a reference I'm not familiar with, but uh, Mary, okay. Mary Poppins <laughs> and wish come on. Uh, nope. Never, never. Oh, I heard of Mary Poppins, never looked into her any further than that, but uh, well, I watch football. A great a lot. lady. She was yeah, a great she, lady. She sounds like the Mac Jones of entertainment. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, but so I rewatched the game. I mean, initially I got, I got pretty roasted on Twitter because I said Tua had a C minus game. And uh, when we did our show, I said it was C plus B minus <laughs> type of game. And I'm sticking with that. I mean, I, especially after rewatching the all 22, I mean, first play of the game, you had Tyreek Hill wide open ball got tipped. Yes, it did get tipped. That's uh, that happens, but still it was there. And then on that third and one Tyreek Hill is, coming wide open downfield and he throws it to Alex Ingold instead and he misses the throw. There were five or six really bad decisions from two in that game. And, but the stat sheet was good. 23 for 33, 270 yards and a touchdown, no turnovers. There very easily could have been several. So um, this is a game here where, again, if, if, if you've got hobbled cornerbacks out there for the Ravens and, and, and you see Tua making some misreads and some missed opportunities and it comes back to bite them later in the game, yeah, there's going to be an uproar on Dolphins Twitter, and there should be. that you know. So I'm rooting for the guy. He's got to come through here. This is the time for Tua. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are healthy. Your whole offense is healthy other than Austin Jackson. Yeah, no, I mean – and Stephen Carter, um, but no, it, it, it's. I think Tua gets it done this week, uh, especially against the depleted Ravens secondary. Unfortunately, I think that doesn't quiet the noise because the Ravens second se- uh, secondary is depleted. Um, so, again, this this is a chance for Miami to make a statement game, even if people aren't going to potentially buy in after the fact. Dolphins don't need you to buy it to win games like it helps but they're gonna go out and get it done this week regardless of 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 the noise and it's gonna take some winning for a little bit to quiet that noise down um yeah i mean offensively i wonder too is you look at mike isicki one catch for one yard last week i'm telling you there's gonna be one of these games i don't think it'll be this game that everybody's focused on Waddle and Hill and Gasecki is such an afterthought and they're going to draw up so many targets for Mike Gasecki and everyone's going to be like, what's going on here? Uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to be this week, but it's going to be one of these weeks. Um, well, he, and, and, and talking about the tight end real quick, Hunter Long is now nursing an injury as well. Uh, so we potentially may see the debut 
of a healthy Tanner Connor in this game. Yeah, that's we'll see if he we'll see if he's active. That's he, I, I don't think he'll be active. I, I could be wrong. I, I, well, I see if Seathan and Hunter Long are both inactive and the, the Dolphins usage of tight ends and personnel. And if Cedric Wilson ends up not playing, I could see the potential for them to to have Tanner Connor active. Well, they've I mean, been playing. They they played a lot of twenty one personnel, so mm-hmm. just one tight end last week, and I expect them to do the same this week. That's kind of Mike McDaniel's thing, and it's kind of, that's been Kyle Shanahan and 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 uh, Sean McVay's thing too. That twenty one personnel. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I I hope he's active. I hope they slip him on the field. Let's see what the kid has in, in a couple of plays. I I I'd be interested in that. Um, my guess is Connor and and Ezukama are gonna are gonna be are going to be healthy scratches. Something to keep an eye on. Um, Possibly. And on, on top of that, though, too, don't discount the fact that Durham Smythe, the past couple of years, has had some really damn good days against the Jets. I, I like him more and more each time he plays. I mean, he, in this type of offense, you know, he, he the runs that the Dolphins, Dolphins didn't have many good runs last week, and that's something that needs to pick up this week for sure against the Ravens. But the couple of runs they did have, usually following a Durham Smythe block. So, and he's also somebody too that has, I don't, he had what, 40 catches last year? I don't know if he dropped a pass last year. He may have dropped one, but not many drops from Durham Smythe either. And the Dolphins get him back, uh, what, two years, $8 million. So, really good stuff there. But the big thing, Paul, is um, the injury the Dolphins do have. Assuming Teron Armstead's toe injury isn't worse than we think. At right tackle, Austin Jackson goes on short-term IR. Greg Little is going to be the starting right tackle. And I don't wish injury on anybody, but I think the Dolphins just upgraded the, the right tackle position. You would think correctly, but unfortunately, Greg Little's body is made out of paper mache and, you know, cracked popsicle sticks. So... I do expect Miami to elevate potentially new signee Brandon Shell to the active roster for the game this weekend. Uh, he, he's got 61 career starts. He's decent. And unfortunately, as Morgan Moses can attest to, if you listen to our show, we prayed for decent at the right tackle. Not even great, just decent. Uh, we, when we talked a lot about potentially trying to sign Morgan Moses. Uh Decent and durability. That's, you know, it's really setting that bar high for, for what we want to see from the right tackle position. Greg That's Little, all I need. That's Greg all Little's I need. Decent, but he doesn't have the durability. Right. He's had some injury problems for sure. I hope he's, he's had a lot of stays on the field. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I would rather for what Greg Little has shown. I mean, it, it, look, he didn't have a dominant first game, uh, you know, in the preseason games that he did play in, there was nothing special, but you barely heard his name. You, you don't see him with false starts. You don't see him just flat out blowing assignments like Austin Jackson does. Um, yeah, you, you just hear his name when the trainer runs on the field. To, to check. <laughs> I mean, after, after game one, I'm thinking, I'm thinking if the Dolphins swapped out Greg Little and Robert Jones for Liam Eichen, I mean, if, if they swapped out Liam Eichenberg and Austin Jackson for Robert Jones and Greg Little, I don't see how that's not an upgrade uh, immediately. Liam Eikenberg, you know, part of the thing with doing a live show after, right after the game is that I, I don't get real deep into the offensive line performance. So I thought Eikenberg, I didn't hear his name much, probably had, probably had a pretty decent game. No, he did not. He got 
thrown around, especially in, in the second half. And if that's the case again, I mean, he faces a big challenge this week because this is a good Ravens three, four defensive line. Calais Campbell and Michael Pierce are going to cause problems for him if he's not up to the challenge. And I, I don't have a lot of faith that he will be. Michael Pierce is going to line up right over him a lot of the time. And he could very easily just push him back into the quarterback. Well, I, I think I'd rather see, to be honest with you, Robert Jones at right guard and Robert Hunt kick out the right tackle, at least for the short term. I'm always in favor of that. We've we've both always been in favor of that. Because um, then you actually get better than decent and you get durability at your right tackle. Right. I would take a good right tackle over a really good right guard, especially in this offense, especially protecting mm-hmm. – to his blind side. And I think that's what it comes down to for me. Um, so offensively, the, the running game, just 17 carries for 41 yards last week against the Patriots, 2.4 yards a carry. That's not going to cut it. It wasn't as bad as the statue because there were a lot of big losses to there. I mean, Chase Edmonds, I think had a nine yard loss on one play. Um, there were a couple of losses, but overall it's still not a good day running the football. Um, that's got to change this week. And the Ravens were number one against the run last year. Not last week. Not last week, though. You're right. You're right. Michael Carter and Brees Hall um, busted off some bigger runs and around the edge. Uh, on one play, Michael Carter had a 15-yard gain, uh, really just ran around, just outran the Ravens' defense on that play, even Marcus Williams. Uh, so, yeah, that's it would certainly help restore balance there. But um, just looking at the Ravens' personnel, they didn't blitz a lot last week against the Jets and Joe Flacco because they really didn't have to. But one thing that this new Ravens uh, uh, defensive coordinator, uh, uh, McDonald, taking over for Don Martindale, who's been their D.C. for the last four years, he's going to be switching up blitzes and not and he's not going to be blitzing, sending the whole the house as often as the Dolphins are or blitzing a lot, as often as the Dolphins. But he does a good job of mixing it up um, from from everything I, I've seen and what I saw from last year with Michigan. So two has got to have his head on a swivel. He's got to identify really quickly in the play. Are they coming? Or are they not coming? Mm-hmm. No. And, and again, it, it's Miami's misdirection, I think is going to hold some of these linebackers home a little bit more uh, because while you can end up blitzing yourself into a play, you can really end up blitzing yourself out of a play, which is more likely. Um, and again, like, you know, Baltimore doesn't blitz as much as Miami does. Baltimore doesn't blitz as much as Wink Martindale did. He, he was pretty, pretty good about blitzing, blitzing guys all over the place. Um, and again, it's. He, he was. Yeah. Martindale was. And it also needs to be noted that the Ravens allowed more passing yards last year than anyone in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. Injuries had a lot to do with that. But Martindale, they parted ways at the end of the season you know what that means he was basically fired and then now he's the giants defensive coordinator so and he did a pretty damn good job this past weekend he did he did good for him good for him taking down ryan Tannehill, winning one for the nfc hey, i like that, it that one that one win in the nfc east could be critical down down the stretch well i'm telling you oh when you see an afc and an nfc team facing off always oh, root for the nfc team i know it's pretty common sense but just the last two years, it's been infuriating watching these games down the stretch where the AFC team is always winning. And then at the end of the year, you've got, 
you know, the Dolphins missing the playoffs with a winning record, and then you've got a team with a losing record or a 500 record and the NFC making the playoffs because of this reason. So, yeah. Um, but going back to your chat, thank you all for joining us here uh, this morning. I know it's an early one. It's, it's really, with our schedules, the only one that we can do this early, but you can always catch the replay. We'll get to some other things here as well. But Shake Money, King Short, Eric, Jacques, Orlando, Vlad, thanks again for joining us here and for anybody else that I missed as well. And Eric, you mentioned uh, Cedric Wilson. Um, yeah, he's also in the injury report here uh, with, let me, let me double check here, uh, with a toe injury. Uh, he was a little bit limited throughout the week. That could be a fascinating matchup because we talked about Marlon Humphrey has a groin injury. Marcus Peters, who hasn't played since 2020, has, uh, uh, believe, a knee injury. Um, and Stevens with a quad injury. Stevens didn't practice all week. He's a good player in the slot, and he's the one that would be matched up with, um, with Cedric Wilson. And Cedric Wilson had an underwhelming first game. There were He had 28 yards. But two of his catches, he either on one of them, he ran out of bounds prematurely. Dolphins didn't get the first down. It was second and two. Uh, and then the other play, he very easily could have gotten the first down, but didn't really feel the need to power his way through the through the tackle. So he's someone I'm watching this week, and he's going to have a big mismatch, at least physically, if Brandon Stevens doesn't play or is out or is hobbled. Yeah, and and, and real quick, just to answer Lance in chat. Uh, the pass to run ratio was about three to two last week. Uh, three passes there to two runs. Um, that's all. Yeah. I, I, he's curious, thought we got away from the run. I, I don't think we did, but we just didn't get it rolling like we wanted to. And I right. think that's something that, you know, it, it's the Patriots do have a very good run defense. They, they really do. Um, so that's not something to get too worried about um, as we move forward. We know. We know we're going to run the ball with the, with, with this offense. Yeah. I, I don't know if we can judge the Ravens run defense either after one week, especially, you know, just because of a couple of big runs from the jets. Um, you know, there's not a big body of work there. I, I more look toward last year where they were the best in the league and they haven't changed a whole heck of a lot on their, on their defense. So I expect it to still be tough to run the football against this team. Um, and Justin Matabuike, Calais Campbell, Michael Pierce, really stout at the point of attack, and that's going to challenge this offensive line that might struggle against a, a defensive front like that. But the other side of that coin is, because they're so stout, if you can establish that outside zone play, that stretch run with this type of offense, yeah, you might be able to bust some big ones. Well, and on top of that, given the injuries at corner this week, you may see linebackers helping out a little bit more in pass coverage. You may see the safeties having to stay back a little bit more than they typically would uh, instead of flying up and run support. I mean, especially if, if a guy like Cedric Wilson's healthy and is a threat to basically take an end around and throw it down the field on any given play. Um, you know, it, it's this, this defense is – for the Ravens is going to have to try to get it done with their front four. And given that fact, I do think Miami can get the run going in a way they normally wouldn't because the, the depleted secondary here. Right. Well, at, yeah, you're, you're right. At outside linebacker, their pass rushers are Justin Houston and uh, Jason Owe. 
uh, or Adafio, excuse me, uh, the former first rounder out of Penn State. They got some pressure last week against the Jets, but also keep in mind that no Mackay Becton. Dwayne Brown went on injured reserve recently. You know, they they were starting George Fan at left tackle and a rookie Max Mitchell at right tackle, the fourth round pick. So and a statue at quarterback. Uh, yes, that's the big thing. So last week they had on Joe Flacco five sacks and 11 quarterback hits. That's a lot. But I think that has more to do with Joe Flacco than it does anything else. Um, Flacco's so, the falele of quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a good comparison. They, they, If you squint your eyes, their names even look the same. So <laughs> uh, if you – well, so, you know, I – this is a, a game that earlier in the week I looked at and I thought, I mean, I mean, I just have too many bad memories of going down to Baltimore, um, but felt better throughout the week um, on, on this type of game. When I started seeing the injury report, started seeing the matchups here, Paul, your prediction. I'm going to go 27, 13 Miami. All right. I think, I, th- I think Miami gets it done in this one. I think given the depleted secondary, that's going to be huge. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson can make it about the Dolphins last year with the cover zero. But from the point the Dolphins smacked him in the mouth, uh, other teams started not doing the full-blown cover zero, but basically giving him a little bit of fits. And, you know, don't forget Lamar Jackson's got his contract situation hanging over his head. And after turning down what was it a two hundred and sixty-five million dollar contract with one hundred and forty-five million guaranteed, I believe it was, he came out and dropped you know two hundred yard game and um, you know didn't rush for bananas. So yeah, I have no problem again with the way Jackson played last week. I thought it was a little bit. I don't have I a problem he... with it, but he didn't. He didn't come out and throw down a two hundred fifty million dollar quarterback game. No, he didn't. And, and I didn't think, I don't think he had to either. I mean, if, if you're taking all these risks and, and, you know, running all over the field, I just didn't think he had to do anything more than what he did. I'm fine with his performance last week. It was a clean game from him. Other I, than I one want to see Miami smack him in the mouth so hard that he goes back and starts asking the GM, Hey, can you bring that piece of paper back here? I want to, and a pen. Uh, I want to sign it now, please. <laughs> see, yeah, that would be nice. I, Personally, I think Lamar Jackson being on a contract year is motivating for him. That I wish he had his money already. Uh, I tend to feel that way about any quarterback. I mean, I think it's motivating, but I don't think it's going to do anything for him this week. Well, I mean, Kyler Murray got his money and went back to playing video games. So mm-hmm. I don't know. No, but I, I, I think I have a lot of respect for Lamar Jackson, and he's he's got to get a lot of money when he gets it. Um, I'm going to do something that I, I never do. And I'm going to change my prediction from a couple of days ago. I had the Ravens winning. When I talked to Kevin Ostriker on the Lockdown Ravens podcast, I had the Ravens winning 26, 23 in a, a highly competitive game where Lamar Jackson gets revenge on the dolphins with the injuries that have come up. I start looking at these matchups and saying, unless Marlon Humphrey and Peters and Stevens, uh, their top three cornerbacks are on the field and they're still playing at a, at a high level. I, I see the dolphins being able to dominate this matchup with their speed offensively. I mean, so because of that, it, and not only the cornerbacks, but also as uh, I believe Eric was saying here in the chat, their linebackers aren't great in coverage. You're right. They're not. I mean, uh, Patrick queen was really bad in coverage last year was really good in week one, but 
really bad in coverage. Uh, Josh Bynes is kind of like their version of a Landon Roberts. Their safeties are great. Uh, Marcus Williams at free safety. Chuck Clark at strong safety. Played every snap last week. Kyle Hamilton, the rookie from Notre Dame, played half the snaps last week. So they're going to give that three safety look a lot. So hopefully, I mean, for them, they're hoping that that combats, you know, their, their linebackers. But I see the matchups going Miami's way. And I'm, I'm going to change my prediction. 28-21 Dolphins in this game. They cover the over and get to 2-0. and And if they get to 2-0, Paul, that's where things get fun. I mean, you talk about if they're two and zero, and now you got Buffalo at home next week. You win that game, and the Dolphins are the story of the year so far in the first three weeks. It's that close, so that's why it's exciting and got me a little nervous for tomorrow as well. Yeah, and I'm going to make my own little bold prediction here. I think Alec Ingold sees the end zone for the first time this week with the Dolphins. I think I think he's going to catch a pass from Tua and punch it in. All right. So, Alec Ingold, uh, how many yards? A one yard, like a one-yard uh, play action? Fi- I'm thinking about a 15-yard reception on this one. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm going to say, uh, stat prediction, I'm going to say Jalen Phillips gets two sacks against Patrick McCarty. That would be nice to see, kind of a bounce back from last week and Aaron Butler and Chad here said the Ravens interior D line will dominate this game and dictate the narrative for Tua and the doll for the dolphins and two as well. So that is quite possible. And I mean, if you have, if they're able, if that big strong defensive line is able to push this dolphins interior line back to Tua and they don't have to blitz as much, that is a major problem. And that's something certainly to watch out for. I think with the mismatches in the passing game, if these defensive backs are either out or hobbled, they've got to dictate the matchups from that point to loosen that up a little bit. So anything now, else, Paul? Uh, I do. Uh, the other thing that, that still sits in my brain for this week is I think at least one series will be potentially ruined by a bad Connor Williams snap. I hope not because he had a great game last week other than that snap. Yep. That, but that snap, you look at it. I mean, that was the play where Tyreek Hill had a 75 yard touchdown in the first play of the game. Uh, how mm-hmm. does that ball still get tipped? If I don't know, May, maybe, maybe not. I don't, I, I don't know. Well, here's the thing too. Even, even if he puts Miami in second and 30, you've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle going against that secondary. So second and 30 is not unaccomplishable. Yeah. And let's be clear that secondary for the Ravens is good. It's really good. They're just hurt. I mean, at, at, and hey, if at, at cornerback here, if Marlon Humphrey had a shoulder injury and, and Marcus Peters had a, had a broken finger, it would be a completely different conversation. But they have lower body, body injuries, even if they play. So they've got it. That, that may not have made a big difference, too, if you were covering Devontae Parker, a contested catch guy who doesn't get a lot of separation. You don't need got, two legs to cover Devontae Parker. <laughs> when you've got Waddle and Hill running all over the field, that's a lot of ground to cover. So Daniel Falele could cover Devontae Parker. All right, nothing with Falele. All right, that's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Ravens game here. Hope everyone enjoys it. <clears throat> we'll be here on Sunday night to recap and grade the game just as usual. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and fanfanatic.com and if it's not on the right side 
and it's not on the left side, it's on the fin side. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.